0: We wanted to give you a sneak peek inside our mentorship programs. So we're answering some questions about being a BCBA in a school, as well as ABA assessments that you can use.
1: Okay, so the way I, you know, approach education and BCBAs in schools is I I mean, I love the marriage of the two, because I think that. Part of what our field needs to work against is this idea that like ABA happens somewhere like in a room or in a clinic and it's outside of school, or at least that's how it was, you know, where we live and a lot of our experience with that. Um, When really ABA is, is good teaching and classrooms and teachers should know the principles of ABA because they are the principles of learning. And if we can help them understand the principles of learning, then all of our kids are better off. So very often, schools feel like the urgency for a BCBA is on the kids who are, you know, the most behavioral or the most challenged or have a diagnosis. And um, are you? And if you're familiar with the the triangle, the PBIS triangle, that that's usually where the BCBA supports go. It's we have this crisis, we need a behavior plan, and you know, you need to you need to help. And what I think is if you have the opportunity to focus on the 90% of the school and focus on making change within um, how the teachers approach all kids' behaviors, how classrooms are set up, how reinforcement looks in the classrooms, what are the principles of how kids get consequences? You know, a lot of schools are still using, like, send the kids to the principal's office or send them home. Um what are what does reinforcement look like in the school? How trained are teachers on these concepts of learning, reinforcement, uh, punishment? You know, for lack of a better word. And I think by educating a lot of the school on those principles um, and understanding how those work, you'd would a eliminate a lot of the need for the behavior plans because a lot of things that we write in behavior plans are all of these antecedent strategies, which are reinforcement systems, which is skill acquisition, which is data collection. Um, And it's stuff that can be incorporated on a class-wide level. So that's the first good thing. And the second thing is all the kids are better off, right? It's not, ABA is not just this thing that happens for kids who have challenging behavior. Um, We can incorporate it into a way where all kids are now getting this good teaching, this um, positive-based interactions, um, all the good stuff that ABA really has to offer. That's so much more than safety plans, um, which are important. But again, if we look at it from like a more proactive, antecedent side of things, we can avoid a lot of those safety plans because kids can be happier, more productive, like right off the bat. So if I had it my way, I would, as a BCBA in the school, um, focus on teacher training, like offering workshops, offering training for teachers and support staff on those kind of topics, on, on principles of learning, on reinforcement, on shaping, setting up reinforcement systems in your classrooms, why you need to use visuals and teaching, all of those really important topics. Um, which we also happen to have like staff training slides on that you could probably use some of that if you were looking to do some of those trainings um, that would be that would be one you know good place to focus and then also starting to implement more um, whatever you would think of as part of a behavior plan trying to get some of that teaching happening in the classrooms. So if kids need to learn to tolerate waiting right especially at a kindergarten level you want to put in some, skill-based teaching around um, more like life skills, you know, Gregory Hanley calls it the preschool life skills curriculum, which he created, uh, you know, way back when, and there's all that literature on it. And if you think about the life skills that kids need, which is waiting, tolerating, no, taking turns, sharing all the stuff outside of academics, then you can focus on maybe bringing some of those skills into especially some of our early learner classrooms. Um, And that will also, you know, ultimately help eliminate some of the challenging behavior um, but teaching teachers how to teach those things. Teachers are really, really great at teaching curriculum. I find that literacy and math, like they are great. They love it. That's what their training is. And then you say, um, you know, teach a kid to like tolerate no or how to wait without, you know, a challenging behavior or tolerate not being first in line. And they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Um, so really supporting them in that would be a, a really nice second goal. And then, you know, obviously third would be, the child, kids with behavior challenges, or who really need a behavior safety plan and training staff on how to um, mostly be trained in those proactive strategies. Because, you know, I always say teachers, my first year working in a school, um, they would kind of call me in wanting like the magic wand, like my kids having behavior, just call Shira, like, she'll just do something about it. And we won't know what she does. But like, she just has to do something. And it really took a couple years to get the attitude of, My skills are so not like worth it in the moment. Like there's so little I can do in the moment that I need to help you get involved in how you can prevent this and manage it. Because once it happens, there's so much less I can do than before it happens. Um, And that took years. So now I almost never go if they call me because I find it reinforces that behavior versus like, let me educate you and train you on how you have the skills to teach proactively how to deal with the behavior. Um, and because then in the moment, you, you really just have to keep everyone safe. You know, it could be that that's the case. Um, schools often want the consequence, like they want the punishment, but like we have to retrain on it's not about the consequence. It's about um, the teaching. And if you're interested in teaching because you're a teacher, that should sound great. I think it's so exciting, and I think it, it really takes like you know a good couple years. So don't get discouraged if the first year is really hard, because like you find your footing, and they get to know what like what you're all about, and then it takes a couple years to like get into a groove. And I think that's
0: the what the what part of the reason I didn't go, you know, school based. Sure, as a teacher, I'm not. That's not my background. But I find you know being in a public school or thinking about being in a public school and not getting to choose the clients I work with is um, really exciting for some people. And for me, it's really daunting. It's like, Oh, what do you mean? I don't, you know, I, I I just have to be given anybody who's thrown at me. And usually, you know, in the public school systems, like Shira said, it's always the squeaky wheel, right? It's the one who has gone through so much and now, you know, BCBA is almost like the last person they get to. And if we could be, if we could change everything and be proactive about that, that would be amazing, right? So we talk about PBIS strategies, uh, you know, antecedent strategies on our learners. We should be using antecedent strategies with our teachers. Like, hey, let's train the trainers here. Wouldn't that make sense? So that would be utopia, right? Question is about assessments and just talking about the different assessments that we do as BCBAs. And there are actually quite a few assessments. And typically, we should, as BCBAs, always be doing assessments first. It's not about treating and then maybe assessing. It's about let's assess and let's get data in terms of what these people need to learn and then follow through with programs and then reassess to make sure they've learned and you know, see what gaps are next. Uh, with that being said, we typically never teach to an assessment, assessment we use as a baseline, as a measurement tool, but we always look to see what future steps are. And then we go, okay, let's, let's go back from there. What are parent goals? You know, What are some skills? What are some weaknesses? What are the student's strengths? How can we teach using the student's strengths and teach them some of the things that they need. And in fact, Sheer And I were talking today actually earlier, and we were talking about what CEU we need to do for February. And uh, we decided that we're going to do something on not necessarily assessments, but after you have an assessment, how do you create the program? So it's not just about, you know, filling in another box on an assessment, but it's about really thinking about where this kiddo needs to be in 10 years from now and working backwards and going, okay, well, what do they need and put that in now. But that's not the question. The question is about assessments. So you know, there's a few basic assessments or just you know general assessments that BCBAs use. One of them is the ABLES, the assessment of basic language and learning skills by James Partington. Um, that one is typically, you know, I typically would do that one with you know anywhere from a say a three-year-old to a 10-year-old. Um, again, it's it's not age-normed, but it is a really great assessment in terms of looking at language, it breaks things down into to a lot of feature function class, looks at requesting in that F section of the Ables, there's a whole section on requesting and it really breaks that down. And I think that's awesome. Um, so that's a good one to use. There's the VB map, which is uh, Mark Sunberg, And that one actually is age, age-normed. And funny enough, when the Ables first came out, it was Mark Sundberg and James Partington together on the first edition of the Ables. And then the second edition of the Abels came out, the revised version, it was just James Partington. And then Mark Sunberg, you know, broke away and did the VB map. So they are very similar to each other. The VB map is age normed. So, um, you know, you can look at that and go, okay, um, it, you know, according to this age, this is what the kiddo needs to know. Uh, they've got three different levels in the VB map. And the three different levels are based on age, but you should teach everything across those categories in the first level before moving on to the second level. With that being said, we still don't love filling in. Boxes, but it does give you an idea of where the student's strengths and weaknesses are. So we talked about the ABLES, the VB map, again, same type of age. I think it's age norm from the ages of, you know, zero to four or five years old. But, you know, with our kiddos, we typically would, you know, implement a VB map until they're probably about seven or eight and then, you know, move to something else. Um, For really young kiddos who have zero language, no joint attention, what have you, I would use an Early Start Denver model. I love that assessment. Um, It's just really, you know, play based, you know, get down and play and, you know, really basic things like can they follow a point, you know, to do this, this and this, you know, do they make any, you know, eye contact or joint attention, shared attention, I think is what they call it. Do they share toys? Do they show toys? How do they play with toys? Uh, That kind of stuff. So that's really awesome for a really beginner learner. Um, and then, you know, I always say, you know, with, you know, if someone's outgrown um, enables or VB Maps, say, you know, they, you know, they can pretty much answer most of those questions on there. You could move towards what's called the peak assessment. Peak assessment is by Mark Dixon. And it is based on more relational frame theory or like inferencing, right? So if I say, you know, or if I look at the window and I see that, you know, someone's wearing a winter jacket, I'm going to make the inference that it's really cold outside and I'm going to need to put on a winter jacket to go outside. No one told me it was cold, just doing that. So the peak gets into kind of more advanced language things in generalization, um, and then there's also the life skills assessment, James Partington, who wrote the A-full, A-bulls also did the A-fulls, um, which is an assessment of functional living skills. And, uh, you know, you can implement that pretty much at any age. But usually, you know, I say from kind of 10 onwards, is we really, really want to make sure that our kiddos have that functional um, living skills. So those would be the main assessments, I would say. So, you know, going in order from like, youngest or earliest to the latest, I would say, would be the ESDM and then the VB Map, the ABLES, um, the PEAK and the AFELS is what I would say. Shira, anything else?
1: Yeah, I think there are then ones that are more specific to the skills you want to teach. Um, there's the inventory of good learner repertoires, which is um, more, I would say, it's like school-related skills if you're looking at like a classroom-type program. Um, there are some social skills assessments, there are some life skills assessments. And the idea is that none of these assessments that we're talking about are even like standardized, like it's not the kind of assessment that you get any kind of like, result from or diagnosis from or anything like that. But the idea of an assessment is that it's almost like the pre test post test style of data collection. So you really could take any version of a checklist or anything like here are the expectations or the skills that we want to see um and there are there are lots of versions of that teach the skills assess on the same on the same scale did they make any progress like that's really what you're looking at with an assessment and um while it is super important i don't want to like overvalue like any we can only use an able and i know like for insurance and all of those things that it does become an issue to use one of those assessments um, but there are so many other options more for good practice if you're looking at a specific set of skills in knowing how to baseline those skills how to choose the right kind of checklist or the right kind of way to assess those skills teach the skills and then reassess the skills which is really what an assessment is um so we've even developed like some of our own assessments based on the needs of our program and the needs of our school um and yeah once you get more familiar with it you you'll be able to do that, too. And I think the idea is that you need to be able to, like we were just talking about this earlier, really see the big picture. Like, what is it that we want this student to be able to do? Um, what is going to be, you know, if, if we're really working on like a life skills program, oh, we didn't mention EFL. That's also uh, essential for living um, assessment, which is a lot of like must haves, nice ha- to haves, and, and other skills that are related to functional living. So you really have to think big picture, like where is this student going? Is this student going to be on a mostly academic program? Are they doing mostly language-based goals? Are they ultimately going to be working towards life skills and functional living skills? And that will really help guide you in choosing the right assessment um, and then also ultimately choosing the goals from those assessments because no assessment is perfect. Um, and you really, as the clinician, have to get to know what it is that you're looking for and wanting to what, what information you want to get from that assessment. Hopefully that was a really quick overview. (laughs) Yeah definitely a learning process so just be open to like lots of learning
0: yeah and you know what one thing at a time try not to take on too much like it's you know as a new bcba you know you want to learn everything all at once and and oftentimes you know with work it's like well you got to do this and you got to do it now or you got to do it as of yesterday and you're like what huh uh, and it could be really overwhelming but um we're here for you i promise we're here for you we can walk you through every step of the way keep coming to these mentorship meetings um watch our ceus and that'll help as well. Um, But really try and keep it simple and learn one thing at a time. So don't try and learn all these assessments and be a master in all of them. You know, take one and really learn it and then take the next one and really learn it. In summary, we gave you a sneak peek inside our mentorship program by answering member questions about being a BCBA in a school and common ABA assessments.